I went to a marvelous party. Know the facts. The they go with their gut. Don't and have the only thing your gut cares about your is money. Christopher, this is only going to work if we speak one at a time. Fine, you first, Eric. <laughs> From the Sunset Strip in beautiful West Hollywood, California, it's The Dinner Party Show, the Internet's first live comedy variety show with your hosts, New York Times best-selling authors, Christopher Rice. Actually, there's a new study that confirms every other child you see on the street is a ghost. <laughs> and Eric Shaw Quinn. I don't want to talk too much, but... Okay. We're no, going to no, no. take, take up a collection for the stained glass window. Now we want the dirt. Featuring reports from their largely unqualified staff of special correspondents. Sex is like Christmas. It's the not knowing what you're going to get that makes it exciting. New York is a giant trash island infested by has-been theater queens. If we're really serious about cutting federal spending, the biggest waste of public funds I can think of is Congress. Two steps for Jesus! The Dinner Party Show. Everyone gets served. Tonight's live cast is streaming to you live and for free through the dinnerpartyshow.com and our free mobile app. And now, direct from the kitchen by way of the Get out of my office. It's your hosts, Christopher and Eric. Good evening, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and you're listening to The Dinner Party Show. And tonight we will not be talking about the Winter Fucking Olympics. Which means we will not bring you live, continuing coverage from our non-existent correspondents in homophobistan. As for everything else, it's still on the table on tonight's live cast of The Dinner Party Show. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. Enjoy the hors d'oeuvres, but don't fill up. There's plenty more to come. Good evening, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And that thundering sound you hear is all those people expecting nonstop Winter Olympics coverage, changing the, the website, I guess you'd say. Running away to watch unexpurgated coverage of people on He's shooting at stuff. <laughs> what did you say on Twitter earlier this week? You don't watch the Winter Olympics because you don't understand what's going on and everyone is wearing too much clothing. That's right. It's yeah, They're yeah. way too overdressed and I have no idea. Like I watched men's figure skating and that's pretty much it. I'm and done. you were quite taken with Johnny Weir's. I thought uh, he did a really good job. I thought he was not on the ice. He's a, he's a commentator. No, he's a this commentator year. this year. And I wish he'd been on the ice. It would have been a more interesting show. But um. But he was really, I was surprised. He's a bit much, usually, but, and he still is. I thought it was really fun that he wore, like, tiaras and right, lame right. outfits. To, and, <laughs> to he, do. and he hasn't been arrested right. by the Russian authorities. No, okay. he hasn't. He went uh, fishing in a mink coat on uh, the, the at the bay, at the Black Sea there, with the... 
in Sochi, and nobody seemed particularly upset about yeah, it. Yeah, so apparently really it's good. so warm in Sochi right now that people are actually at the beach. Yeah, they've sold out of uh, Speedos. <laughs> There's been a real uh, run on speedos in Sochi. It's it's soared uh, into the climate 60s. Climate change, ah, climate change. Well, we have a lot of important business to attend but to, not the least of which we have some big news. Big I news. really Christopher's Christopher's book, um, Snow Garden, has mm-hmm. been re-released as an ebook. Yes, um, just recently, and today, after it's only been out for what, like just a I, a day, day and a half, twenty four hours, twenty four hours. Yeah, it is number sixteen on Amazon's Kindle crime fiction list, which, which is, is higher than Gone Girl. Yeah, it so was above Go Gone Girl. Girl. Yeah, wow. Go like, Girl <laughs> went above Gone Girl. Yeah, no, this is the Snow Garden. It is today, my second. Anyway, we'll see. But I know yeah. the numbers change Congratulations. hourly. Congratulations! Um, it's really, I'm really glad that you've had uh, a good success. I love the book. I know that a lot of people will enjoy rediscovering it. If you haven't read it, it's available on Kindle, and it's only two ninety nine. It's only two ninety nine. It has an, a new after word, which I wrote about writing and uh, publishing the book, and and the negative reviews to my first book and how they sort of affected my writing process, both negatively and positively. It's very personal. It's very revealing, as all these things should be. And also, there is an ad in each copy <laughs> and a sales link in each copy to your novel, Eric Shaw Quinn. I wondered what you had started to sound a little like Jordan Ampersand. There. I was like, what's going to happen? <laughs> what's he saying? Who's Jordan Ampersand? I know. He's not here. He's one of our correspondents. Yes, there is a, not here today, I'm happy to say. There is a pair of Jordan Ampersand's underwear pressed like a flower in each ebook of the Snow Garden. Yeah, now that sounds more, yeah, that would be no, a big No, I was turning the spotlight to you for a change, Eric Shaw Quinn. Say, Uncle, your wonderful novel is currently number two on Amazon's uh, gay literature list. Absolutely. My first, yeah, gay literary fiction. I was quite, <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, sure. I, I was actually more impressed. It's 17 in uh, humor and satire overall. Oh, well, that's wonderful. So, like the David Sedaris's of the world and whatever. I'm, I'm in this. I'm 17 on that bracket. So I was like, wow, that's and also pretty fancy. On that and list I'm thrilled to be number two on the. Uh, yeah, we'll take anything we can get. Yeah, here at the, dinner the party literary show. fiction. Like, yeah. wow, absolutely literary. Nobody's ever said that. And literary. you're also on the list with tonight's guest, Armistead Mopin. The, That's the right. On of gay, Tales of the City. The, yes. the, the, the gay uh, category overall. Now yes. he's 14 on the list, and I'm 88. There's so many goddamn just lists. the same. Yeah. And you got snippy with me before we went on the air because you turned to me and asked which list we were going to talk about first, and I was like, Out Magazine's most eligible bachelors list, on which oh. I came in at number eight. Finally, congratulations. Yeah. Yes, I that I know that so, means a lot to you. So it's really important. Mortifying. To, the whole thing is just mortifying. It's a promotional. It's a great way to promote yourself. Well, it's a great way to demonstrate your social media reach, and it was quite a weekend for social media. I'll tell you that much. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> they say don't feed the trolls, but I took a bunch of them to Soup Plantation this weekend. Yeah, it, it was, was anti-social. Uh, me- everybody media had this some weekend. soup on their uh, on their shirts by the time I was done reading Face those in Christians. the sneeze guard. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, that was fun. But uh, we don't have to talk about that tonight on the Dinner Party Show because it's all out there on our Facebook pages for everybody to see. So. Yeah, one of my favorite promotional moments with the in the history of, say, Uncle, which will be 20 years this June. Jesus. I realized that today when I was looking at the stats for the book. 20 years this June. Oh, my God. Yeah. Just in case I wasn't going to feel old enough on my birthday next month, <sighs> wow. the book has been out for 20 years. Anyway, um, there was a feature in Frontiers magazine. I think it was Frontiers. It may have been genre. 
or the genre. Advocate. Wow, or, that takes us or all the back. advocate even. I can't remember, but one of them did a thing. It was called The Boys of Summer, and it was all gay authors. But it was the reviews were based entirely on the author pictures from the back of the book. <laughs> ah, Con- gay media content wasn't really considered. It was just based <laughs> on who was the hottest. It was Caleb Carr. And Brad Gooch, I think. Oh, yes. And Brad Gooch wrote a book called Finding the Boyfriend Within. Your Inner Boyfriend Finding or something. Finding the Boyfriend yeah. Within, which one of you called the two of Stroking the Boyfriend happy. Within. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know what happened. I haven't heard from him in a while. I'm sure he's doing fine. I hope so. Um, I hope he's doing and fine. And me and I'm somebody else. Well, Caleb like Carr wrote The Alienist, which yeah. was a Caleb big hit. Caleb Carr is actually still yeah. around and still doing quite a bit. I have to say I haven't necessarily heard from Brad. No, and I, I probably shouldn't. This is like the 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 the, the, the <laughs> advice to lawyers: never ask a question <laughs> and that never, you don't know the answer. Never, never bring, bring up someone. Up, yeah, right. we don't know. Uh, he's actually currently in jail. Never bring up oh, a topic oh. where he had a horrible personal tragedy or something. Let's pretend like, like we have a research oh, assistant. Good. I was We're making send. fun of him. Chelsea, can you go look up Brad Gooch? Oh, Shay. Yeah. Oh, Shay Butters. That's right. Shay Butters will find out about Brad Gooch. So anyway. Uh, what else do we have to talk about tonight? We well, have... we have one of the most amazing guests that we have ever had on the show. I mean and to tell you. one of the most delightful and charming, wonderful man. Yes. Armistead Mopan. Right. Oh, who I always God. feel like I am just vaguely mispronouncing his name, but I think most people feel that way. And it does not dim their love and affection for him in the slightest. <laughs> and he didn't correct anybody here. Yeah. And we don't actually pronounce his name the same way. Absolutely. <laughs> we don't. And he did. he's a Southern gentleman. Just as charming. God, what a gracious, wonderful guest. Yeah, absolutely. And this book, The Days of Anna Madrigal, is actually um, going to be the last in the Tales of the City series. Yeah. And it, and the day that he was here was the day that it premiered as um, no, on the on the, the New York Times bestseller list. It was his first time on the New York Times bestseller list. I mean, list. it's no Amazon bestseller list for gay literature. Right. It's no, not number two <laughs> on the gay literary list for Amazon. A list that changes moment to moment. Uh, no, but number seven, and he said it was his first time cracking the top ten of the New York Times bestseller list. I was really, like, so, I was so happy to get to share that. I was, A, quite surprised. Absolutely. Um, and really happy to get to share that experience. And just to meet him, my God, I, you'll see for yourself, it, wonderful interview, amazing man. We got to some of the topics that people sent us, and we just enjoyed finding out about the world according to the tales of the tales of the city. Absolutely. But uh, before then, we have a word from a brand new sponsor. This is a new publisher called Trailblazer Books. And when we are done with them, we will be back with our interview with Armistead Mopin here on The Dinner Party Show. Stick around. For 50 years, Oliver and Rowe has brought you some of the finest works of American literature. Our authors include world leaders and multiple Pulitzer and Nobel Prize winners. Now, in recognition of the changing landscape of publishing, Oliver and Rowe has selected the very best works of these independent authors who have made a distinguished and profitable name for themselves in the new digital marketplace. We're bringing you exclusive print editions of their most popular works with our new imprint, Trailblazer Books. And it all begins this month with Dark Sex, The Adventure Begins. When divorcee Sheila Bowser is forced to start a dog-walking business after her husband abandons her, she falls under the spell of a particularly pugnacious St. Bernard with a fetish for mature women and a penchant for standing upright. Romantic antics ensue in Dark Sex, The Adventure Begins, the first in a 76-part series. And next month, we bring Girl Scout Beetlejuice Jungle Party, 
When their chartered jet crashes in the Amazon rainforest, this nubile young Girl Scout troop finds themselves deliciously menaced by a handsome, insect-like creature produces a very sweet nectar. Who will be the first to take a drink at the Girl Scout Beetlejuice Jungle Party? This special omnibus edition includes all 600 digital installments. And coming this fall, Dalai Lama Mama, sex monster of the Himalayas. When Chinese troops menace the Himalaya hideaway of one of the world's foremost spiritual leaders, the Dalai Lama is forced to stop them the only way he knows how. With sex, Namaste has never been so gay. Trailblazer books from Oliver and Rowe, bringing you the best works from writers who blew past the gatekeepers so they could blow whoever and whatever they felt like. It all begins this month one of the last remaining bookstores in your city. And you know, Amazon. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn, where the soup is hot, but the heads are hotter. In 1971, Armistead Mopin was working as a newspaper reporter when he was assigned to the San Francisco Bureau of the Associated Press. Thank goodness. Just six years later, he launched his groundbreaking Tales of the City as a serial in the San Francisco Chronicle. The resulting series now spans seven volumes, and Armistead Mopin joins us today to talk about the latest. It's called The Days of Anna Madrigal, and to the great sadness of many, it is, he claims, the final installment in this beloved and groundbreaking series, which forever changed the way the world saw San Francisco, gay people, and beach blanket Babylon. <laughs> Armistead Mopin, we are thrilled to welcome you to the dinner party show this evening, and we want to tell everyone that we just got the news that the book debuted at number seven on the New York Times bestseller. I just got it myself. I'm, I, I'm over the moon. Here's it's never happened to me before. I'm 69 years old, and I've made the extended list, you know, uh-huh. and had that thing of hoping that the next week it would tip over. Right. Really? Uh-huh. Because well, uh, so then you get to call yourself celebrate. a New York Times bestseller if, right, if you right. make the extended list. But I've never been, I've never uh, gotten this high up, and I'm, I'm higher than... Well, she's only been on the list for two two years. Jillian Flynn. Oh, Gone Girl. Right, <laughs> yeah. right, right. Whose novel I absolutely love and gobble down. Uh-huh. But, I, but it is really timed. It's just indiscreet to remain on the list this long. I know. It's, t- it's yeah. just rude. It's time to go. Well, yeah. do you remember children's books used to remain on the list for years and years and years before people complained and they made a separate, a separate bestseller thing, list for yeah. children's books? Well, that's wonderful. Congratulations. Thank that's you very really, much. Well, we have champagne. We'll crack it open if you're in the Oh, mood. I'm happy with this little tea party. <laughs> Good, we always get you. And too. I must say, the, I had no idea you had these lavish surroundings. <laughs> it's perfectly suited for, for something called the dinner party show. Absolutely, well, that was what you we have were to walk for. into a, like a sleazy motel to get to it. <laughs> <laughs> Now, don't give away all our secrets, Armistead. We don't want people to know exactly where it is. Yeah, yeah, it's really funny. Heaven forbid. Yeah, some of the neighbors are like, really? That's right across the street. (laughs) Great, okay. Let's just say the surrounding businesses are all businesses we don't want to use as points of orientation when we give directions. So we have to say, go in the western direction on this boulevard. It's also a very (laughs) famous... I mean, I lived here... This is my old neighborhood. I lived here... I lived at the Chateau Marmont for three months in... in, uh, in 1979, so I wandered up and down the street. Right, mm-hmm. and, and that really uh, is the neighbor. That's the that's the monument we use. Yeah, it's really that's 
right yeah, there. Just just to the left of my instruction said just to the left of the pink taco. <laughs> <laughs> I, I said, oh, what? Right. Yeah, that was one of those. I thought arrivals. it was a strip club. Apparently, That's it's actually right. a taco it joint. Yeah. A taco the strip club's across place. the street. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. really uh, yeah. The neighborhood has changed a lot since you lived oh, at the man. Chateau Marmont. You know, but it's still you know the great success the of the strip. moment is heralded by whatever is painted largest. Uh, yes. I have the girls' uh, billboard right in my oh, yeah. uh, she is in my window at the the inescapable Lena 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 Dunham Lena Dunham yeah. Lena Dunham. There's certain uh, apartment buildings where they should say, "If you're going to live here, you better really like what's on HBO because they own that billboard." You'll be looking out your it. window. <laughs> when I when I was at the uh, Chateau eyes. Marmont, uh, I was in one of the I don't think they're called bungalows, but the smaller yeah. mm-hmm. freestanding. Yeah. Things there, and there was the giant uh, billboard for for the uh, Paul Schrader movie Hardcore. Oh, and it right. said, "Oh my God, that's my daughter." That's what it said <laughs> over my bungalow. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I, I applied it very personally because every night I wander down Fairfax to Basic Plumbing, uh-huh. the sex club down on Fairfax. Uh huh. Uh, and I wonder had, if that's still there. I think no, that's, it's, it's probably not, a, it's a long Chinese gone. restaurant. It's such a great. It's like a name you'd make up for one of oh, your, it was one of your books. I, it's it's it better little, than any of the names I've heard. It was weird though because it was right next to the deserted J. Sebring Salon, so it had the <laughs> ghost of the Manson murders right next door to it. <laughs> I love zoning in Los Angeles. Yeah. It's so exciting. Yeah. <laughs> And a children's theater. Right. <laughs> and I, I, would, I would leave basic plumbing and walk back up to uh, the strip and go and have tapioca at Greenblatt's. Oh, yeah. Greenblatt's is still there. Yeah. Greenblatt's will always it's be still there. still wonderful. Yeah. Loved it. I don't know yeah. what the tapioca thing was about on my part, but I... Uh, <laughs> it was a thing. Yeah. Well, you know, you were in good company, uh, celestially at least, because apparently F. Scott Fitzgerald had his last meal from Greenblatt's. Oh, I thought you were still talking about basic plumbing. <laughs> <laughs> he also went to basic plumbing. Apparently. He may have had his last he meal had to there. Get away his from, last meal he got away a... from Zelda at basic plumbing. No. Yes. Yes. His last meal was apparently from there. He was in too, He was in bad shape, so he couldn't go out. And so they brought him a meal from Greenblatt's Delicatessen. Well, I, I loved it because I could really, you know, wallow in the romance of old Hollywood. I mean, the Garden yeah. of Allah was no longer there across the street from the chateau right. but I knew where it was right. and I ate at Schwab's every morning oh Schwab's, Schwab's was, was still there was still there oh wow and one day I sat next to um, Hiram Keller who was the cute brunette in Satyricon God Satyricon Fellini yeah long time ago I can't yeah. vaguely hey, I don't think he'd worked that. since Satyricon that but, would do it yeah but I would buy the Hollywood Reporter every morning uh, uh-huh. Tales of the City my, my first novel had been acquired by Warner Brothers, and I thought that meant any second now. It right. would be a movie. Oh, uh, wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> right. I do. Oh, development. I know. I, I once wrote in, uh, in a novel that Hollywood was a town where you could die of encouragement. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes, absolutely. I always I say I'm gonna, that. I'm telling you. I'm going to die from colorectal cancer from all the smoke that's been blown up my ass since <laughs> I moved here 24 <laughs> right, years ago. Right, yeah. Absolutely. You really don't know when you come in, you're you all really wide out. Know. If they have lunch with you, you think you're home free. Uh, and that but means They just off. have to have yeah. lunch. But yeah. all, all of your memories of L.A. still seem very sort of sweet and rosy, despite the fact that, you know, you know the truth about the place, as do we all. Oh, I still um, <laughs> I still think you, I th- I, when I come to town, I still feel like Lucy and Ricky arriving for the first time. <laughs> I have this, 
I think it's the distance that I keep from it, really, in the long run. <laughs> that would help. Yes. You could still come back and feel have a certain sense of wonderment about sort of it. newness. It is still Hollywood. And it, it is a wonderful place because people bring their dreams here. There is a they certain... Do. There's a certain atmosphere of, like, yes, I am a waiter. And I think there is less... Um, Judgment of I'm a waiter, but I have a screenplay, and one day maybe like this thing, the Dallas Buyers Club I was just seeing was rejected 137 times, and now they're really now they're yeah. Oscar contenders. Like that is such like for an artist and for a writer particularly, that is such encouraging news. I, how many times rejection after rejection after rejection that you have to go through, and you just have to keep believing. And I, I like that there's an atmosphere here of we come here because we try and. Be, we collectively believe in ourselves until something happens. Until even something it, happens. Even when it doesn't. And it could be a fluke. I mean, you, yeah. I mean, when you think about how people can get in now through the internet. Right. Uh, somebody told me that uh, Macklemore and uh, Ryan Lewis, the singing, you know, rapping that song right. at the right. Grammys the other night, that that was a YouTube wow. thing yeah. initially. And there they, here they are. All of Hollywood is standing in the room embracing the obvious that it's time to start, stop picking on gay folks at, right uh, yeah it probably was <laughs> Even, a couple of years it, ago but certainly now um mr putin if you're listening and yeah 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 well i mean you know in terms of it, it, allowing it into the culture basically right. that's what blew me away that it was right there in the room right keith urban was crying and right they, they could have done better married. with their selection of the of the officiant in terms of Queen Latifah, but I won't go into that. <laughs> well, you know, maybe she'll let's, feel encouraged let, exactly. and finally... Maybe like, she was so... Maybe the sight of all those people right. um, maybe she'll finally fulfilling their believe, love will give right. her, you know, the courage to do what... To own up. She knows what she needs to do. Yeah. And um, maybe not. Maybe not. But, you know, I think what we're all saying is that life is not lived in a straight line, which is going to bring me back to your story, because I want to ask you, when you were reassigned to the Associated Press Bureau out in San Francisco, were you saying, I'm going to write a, a serialized novel that will change the world? No way. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, you just I was coming out. It was really the other way around. It yeah. was the coming out and the and the and the, you know, the the sexual exploration and the. And the fun of having straight people who embraced me for who I was and all of that was there to lift me up to the point where I would write this story, basically. Because mm -hmm. I, I came in 71 and I started uh, Tales of the City in 75. Even earlier than that, I had um, – I was on one of those lists like you always get on, Chris. <laughs> the undateable Back in my list. cute days. <laughs> They put me on the San Francisco Magazine in 73, put me on something called the 10 Sexiest Men in Town oh. because it was not stylish to have bachelors back then because everybody was supposed to be free. So it was the it was the 10 eligible bachelor, bachelor list. Right. But I said I wouldn't do it unless I could say that I was gay. So um, uh, I sort of did that in 73 they, and that it was... Did they relent? Did they... No, yeah, it was there. And I got a lot of creepy people trying to track me down. Let me tell you, it was not a... <laughs> but good for you. It was like... Having a Facebook profile before yeah. everyone else was on yeah. Facebook. Oh, dear God. Yeah. 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 Excellent. Well, we'll be back here in just a moment with Armistead Mopin, the creator of Tales and of the City. More Tales of Armistead Mopin. Yeah, Tales of Every City He's Ever Been, we hope, here on The Dinner Party Show. 
tired of dining alone? Enjoy the dinner party show with friends. Like us on Facebook and become one of our party people. Then, during our live shows on Sundays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, you can join the conversation and post questions for Christopher, Eric, and their guests. During the week, drop in for tasty side dishes, show updates, and fun with the other party people. The Dinner Party Show. You are the life of our party. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. Let's dish. Hi, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And welcome back to The Dinner Party Show. Michael Tolliver, Anna Madrigal, Marianne Singleton. These are the names of some of the most beloved San Franciscans in English literature, and they are all the creations of our guest this evening, Armistead Mopin. Armistead, thank you for being here. It's so much fun. I'm really, it was very excited when I heard you guys booked me, so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've enjoyed the show in oh the past. Oh, my God. And they're having fun. There's the quote. Right? We're having fun. That's, the quote. that's, I think, yeah. I, I don't think we'd, I think we'd stop if we stopped having fun. I mean, there have been moments when it was like, okay, I'm going to kill everybody. If this, <laughs> but but for the most part, we have a really good time. Yeah, and and that's what we want to share with people when they come by. I'm, and it's very old-timey. They used to do this on radio in the old days, yeah. didn't they? Yeah. They had breakfast clubs. Breakfast with Les and Bass. I think right? of that. It was a play. It was a play. Yeah. That I think of all the time. It's it's wonderful for writers because it's theater of the mind, right? We're literally yeah. playing with words in somebody's mind, and they get to imagine most of it. We do all of these specials now, like the Jordan Avery right. Sand Experience and Live from Poison Creek, and it's like writing a TV show, but but the the humor is more expansive because you can suggest anything, you know? Right? Exactly. And it's limitless. There's no budgetary considerations because if we want to blow up a cathedral, well, we can just <laughs> blow one up because that's exactly. you know, like there's no price on it. We just Brandon figures out what that would sound like yeah. and it plays in the background and Christopher and I run screaming what in here. What fun, you know, yeah. just fluid storytelling. I was I was in love with the radio when I was six years old. My parents spoiled me to death. Um, Bless them. Put me in an, in an upper bunk in the bedroom. I had an upper bunk and a little shelf up there where my radio was. Uh-huh. And I would listen to Big John and Sparky, which is something you probably don't know about. I don't know that one. I don't I, know it was a show with a guy with a puppet, but there was no puppet. He just <laughs> right. He did, he did the he voice was on the radio. Right. They finally okay. had to come up with a puppet that looked like him. And I looked him. I, I I looked him up. I googled him. Googled Big John, and he's just a flaming queen. It was yes. really obvious why I loved Big John. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's an interesting thing in later life to look back on the shows that you were fond of when you were a kid and go, yeah. wow, everybody, the Wild Wild West was one I was crazy about oh, when yeah, I was a kid. Pants. And like, oh my God, <laughs> the Krylon pants, pants with no shirt ever. Yeah. And all of the villains are just screaming <laughs> queens. I watched it as an adult and went, oh my God, no wonder I watched the show when I was six. Right, right. I was also uh, drawn to our sisters in a way. I guess you could call Tallulah a sister. She's everybody's sister in I a think way. so. She had a she had uh, the big show, which was a radio variety show. Oh, where she was just being Tallulah on the air. Right. I, I didn't know what she looked like, but I was completely and utterly in Absolutely. love with her voice. Absolutely. And she ended every show singing, um, <laughs> "May the good Lord bless and keep you." <laughs> and it was she was like an angel to me. You know? <laughs> Tallulah singing. Wow. Yeah. We'll have to find a singing recording of that. Singing religiously. Yes. 
<laughs> Blessing us all, right? Wow, we have to, or maybe do our own Tallulah. We have, some, is, we have some voices in our stable. I, I was going to, that may be the show we have the most in common with. I think we might want to listen back, get yeah, some ideas totally. from Tallulah. It was called what? The, big, the show big Show with Tallulah Bank. It's got to be online. It's it got to be on a variety iTunes or acts yeah. And yeah, it's bound to be. Absolutely. That's wonderful. So I have to ask you some technical writer questions. Oh, sure. Because we're sure. All, all three of us are writers here, but I'm always curious to know. Uh, how much of a sense a writer has of where he's headed when he starts? And with you, were you really headed towards six volumes? Or did you just no. think, oh, I'll just start with these I people? was trying to get out the daily installment in the paper initially when it was serialized in the Chronicle. I just wanted to make something that had a shape, uh, you know, 800 words that had a shape. Right. And then I started creating a cast and then I started alternating them and it kind of grew organically. Right. I certainly didn't think about how that there were going to be a series of novels and that each of them had to be self-contained and that now the now all nine of them would have to have a shape. Right. Um, I think it was just a, a wiring that developed right. over time. You were, know? were the the characters are very distinctive. Were they? Was there any reality to them? Were there people that you had met who inspired you at the time to with the the characters that have become the the stock and trade of the, the tales? Um, some of them were, I mean, I'd be an idea like there was a kind of a hippie woman at the ad agency whose job was to be creative, impress the clients with her wacky creativity. So uh -huh. she had like a Victorian toilet and a hookah in her, in her <laughs> office. In her office? And like I, you do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who and that's want Mona, a Mona Ramsey did that. Yeah. You uh -huh. know, she sort of sold her wackiness, uh, although she was kind of bitter Mona. about it because she really didn't want to be. Uh -huh. working in an ad agency. I was the mailboy at the ad agency where that happened. And my boss was very much like the conservative guy that ran Halcyon Communications. Right. Mm -hmm. Marianne Singleton had to hang out the flag every day on the front of the building. I did too. I raised the American flag. That was my first job of the morning. Oh, my God. Because this guy was like a retired admiral. Right. Um, Fire so bits and pieces, it all cannon. came out of my life. Uh -huh. But then to make them alive, I'm sure you both do this, you mm. find something in yourself. You find yes. some quality, good or bad. Uh, you go down some some lane or another to uh, to give it uh, emotional life. Yes. Yeah, yeah, they're all you in the end. Exactly. They're all you in the end. Exactly, and that's why the question of which of your characters are based on real people is always impossible to answer, and I, always, I think, because they're all yeah, me. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. It was a yeah. huge relief uh, when when uh, Laura Linney and Olympia Dukakis played two of the major characters and, right. and became so indelibly uh, attached to it that suddenly I right. was here. I hear Laura's when I wrote... The Marianne I, character this I time. I can't imagine, yes. I, I hear Laura's of voice, course. and that took the pressure off me because I was always hearing my voice in the past. Well, you know, that's a fascinating <laughs> thing because a lot of writers, that completely short-circuits them. Like Thomas Harris has allegedly never seen the movie of Silence of the Lambs. He doesn't want to. He ah. doesn't want to associate those characters with those actors. But, but you know, I would I would embrace the experience. I would think it would be fascinating. If they do a wonderful job, they as they did with yours, job. and they did do a wonderful job. I mean, I moved seamlessly from watching them into reading them, and there was no hiccup. I had, I had the experience of I could hear the characters and the actors together when I began to read the books apart yeah. from the miniseries. Yeah, I was really lucky yeah. in that way. And they were very, it was a very successful realization. I think nothing would be worse than a horrible realization of your work and being and stuck then, with yeah. those <laughs> images in your head of like, not him, oh, no. no, not yeah. him. Yeah, right. It was eerie about uh, Marianne because 
there's so much of me in Marianne Singleton that when Laura came along and understood this character so well, so we perfectly. in turn understood each other. I'm sure. It was the beginning of a uh, an amazing friendship where we were, we just, um, you know, for a... We, I won't say we finished each other's sentences, but we can look across a room and, mm-hmm. and be thinking the same. I would think. Usually, wicked thing, because <laughs> we're both we're both trained to be polite. Yes, we have southern backgrounds. Right, we have right. a sort of gracious. We you know we believe in that. Right. But at the same time, you do have those private thoughts, and I, and I I know we both know how each other thinks. Ha, do you know? Oh, can I brag about my? Uh, about my baby? You can brag about anything you want. <laughs> you know, Laura had a, a, a baby two weeks ago. No, I didn't know this. Yeah, I saw something in Entertainment uh, I'm always Entertainment the last she, Well, no. she very wisely and cleverly just kept it off the radar. Yeah, it was the oh, first wow. time I'd heard of it. In fact, I was even thinking, well, maybe she hired a surrogate or something. No, no, no. I could, I could personally no vouch for that. It. it was like, oh, bam. <laughs> she Skyped me her, her stomach. For oh, me. oh. Oh, but not like, the birth, just the no, no, okay, no. Oh, okay. Oh, right. That would be an installment in Tales no, no, of the no, no, no. Like, oh my God, oh dear God, I <laughs> no, didn't want Mar- to see that. That was that was uh, that was uh, something I heard about right after. Um, uh, she and Mark Shower, her wonderful husband, who my husband Chris and I have become very close. To, we're we're like. We're like Lucy and Ricky and Fred Nethler sometimes. <laughs> and Are we saying who's I'm, who? I, yeah, I'm afraid I'm probably uh, Fred. <laughs> but but uh, the baby's name is Bennett Armistead Shower. Oh, wow. She, na- she, the, she gave the baby my name, oh, the middle name. That's, that's wonderful. such an honor. I, I, wow. Wow. Yeah, I don't think I've ever had such a gift. I, yeah, a, that's a that blow you out of the water. That's quite amazing. an honor. Yeah. Wow! So you are close. So yeah. now, now, yeah, yes, we are. That's what my husband said. He said, "I knew she liked you, but but wow, she yeah. really." And you were like yeah. Sally Field. You really, really like me. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah I said to her, I didn't think you could uh, top. She, I was her date for the Oscars when she was nominated for Best Actress. Right, right. We were both sort of. Uh, we were. We were in between husbands. Uh huh. And uh, <laughs> not sort of. So we. We. She asked me if I would I'd come. I come with her, and um, so I had that amazing red right, carpet that's experience. Great. What was that like? Um. She said before, where you know, it's a giant traffic jam, as you know. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All these limousines waiting in line to get out and go up there. And she said, the red carpet will be very, very weird. But once you get inside, it'll be like a high school prom. Hmm. And that's exactly what it felt like. Um, the carpet was weird. Um, they're all shouting. They, I don't know, They, th- I think they thought Laura was there with her father, justifiably. <laughs> Oh, oh, when dear. you're uh, they're shouting at you when you're on when the carpet. You're, there's a, there's I thought this was there. after you got in and, and they no, were shouting no, instructions no, at you. And I thought, no, oh God, the, the music no. dies and then it's just like a mob scene and during the commercial breaks. My job was to keep people from stepping on the train yes, of right. Laura's yeah. red Valentino, which just happened to be exactly the same color as the as red the carpet. carpet. Oh dear. Oh, I stepped dear. on it once. <laughs> but you were uh, allowed. Well, she he was given she, three steps, she was, and then it was, and then she was, was going to take very, his eyes out. He was Come very out. gracious about it. Um, but and true enough, when we got inside, and because Laura has such respect from other actors, um, uh, you know, they were all sailing up and saying hello to her. And, right. Uh, uh, Congratulations on her nomination. And yeah. All that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And just, yeah, it was great. It was like a gay boy's dream come true. I bet. It was, it was I bet. That's why I asked. Yeah. yeah. Thing. That's what did I you asked. wear? <laughs> a tuxedo with a, I don't know. I think I had some sort of little uh, thing I'd bought in Paris that was a butterfly's wing that had been from the 1930s that was set in a little, it was like a little. Oh, it sounds lovely. Lapel oh. thing. Just to dress it up just a little enough. bit. Just yeah. to set it off. Yeah, right. That's fantastic. It's, it, it is the, the Oscars after all. Okay. Well, speaking of famous ladies, my mother, Anne Rice, sends her best wishes. Uh, please give her my love. You all met many years ago when we all lived in San Francisco. Neighbors. Yeah, on yeah, Noe Hill. Yeah, Noe Hill. Absolutely. We lived at 17th and Noe. And, um, we left in 1988, and we watched the value of that house. We kept the house and rented oh it my out. God. And I mean, the dot com thing happened right after we left, and and the city was never the same after that. That's right. You know, and I, this is part of what she wanted to ask you. She actually posted a question for you on our Facebook page. Please ask heart. Armistead if he is conflicted about leaving San Francisco. What is San Francisco like today as compared to when you first arrived? She goes on to add that she was just looking at rents online and she couldn't believe it, the cost of renting an apartment in the Oh, city. it's horrifying. Yeah. I, I actually, we, we do miss our friends there. We mm -hmm. miss people. Right. Uh, and like there's a physical beauty to it that's not going to go away anytime soon. stunning. That's yeah. why all the Czechies want to live there. And I can't exactly blame them if no. I were... Yeah, thirty years old and had a billion dollars. I'd so want the cutest such a place in town. Romantic setting, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but it has changed things, and artists have been driven out. Basically, mm, yeah, right. Anybody, you don't, you just can't chase that dream anymore within the city limits. Mm -hmm. um, and I have to say, I'm one of them. Mm. Um, uh, you know, we it, writers don't make nearly as much money as people think they do. No, they don't. They really don't. <laughs> Isn't it funny the way they depict writers in movies and on television with these big, lavish Oh, absolutely. Lives? I always think, what writer is or this? Or the way they depict publishing houses in New York as like multimedia empires. Yeah. Like, have you ever been to the offices of Simon & Schuster? They're like yeah. little cubicles and Yeah, they more. barely have windows in right. Collins. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, did you see the um, uh, Christopher and His Kind, the BBC uh, version of, of that story, Ish, Christopher Isherwood's story? I haven't story. seen no, it yet. I've got it on my I Netflix. I actually looked at, uh, I tried to get it online, legally, of course, and I couldn't get it because that beautiful boy who was on American Horror Story this season, I believe, is in it. Yeah, well. there's some really cute yeah. people in it. It's on in instant it. download on Netflix now. Uh, oh, I will. I, I'm, I'm, gentlemen, it's, I have to go. It's, it's at the top lovely. of my queue. It's at the top of my queue. Yeah, but it's framed by the older Isherwood, you know, looking right. back on it. And right. he's in this... I knew Chris Isherwood. I'm Don Bacardi, um, his surviving partner, is interviewing me at the Santa Monica right, Library. Right, perfect. And beautiful, I mean, charming little cottage on the edge of, uh, you know, Santa Monica Canyon that right. I treasure and that I stays in my mind. But they had him in some some place with 20-foot high palace. windows. Right. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. Yeah, absolutely. But anyway, to answer your mother's question... Um, Yes, there's an ele element of melancholy, but I don't know what I'm missing now, the way it used to be, mm. um, or the city itself. Yeah. <clears throat> I love where we are. I love that we have a, an adobe house at the end of a dirt road, and that fulfills all sorts oh. of crazy Yeah, uh, that sounds pretty fabulous. Fantasies in and of itself. Right. But um, uh, I, I would love to find a place, and I, I hinted at that on Facebook the other day, and a realtor got on there and asked oh, me yeah. how much money I wanted to spend and I told him uh, for, you know, a rental. And he laughed uh, hysterically. He said, you may have to put out for this. <laughs> <laughs> so there's some of that old San Francisco in that realtor. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we have another question regarding San Francisco from one of our loyal party people, Justin Simpson, who lives in the Bay Area. He wanted to ask you which neighborhood area district 
uh, of the city do you think has evolved for the best and which one has devolved for the worst? Oh, boy, that's a real estate question. I couldn't really tell you that, but... Um, <clears throat> um, I would think culturally he would, you know, is more the sort of like, what, what what's really not like it used to be? What used to be... Well, you know, Market and, Street has eight-foot, I mean, eight-floor eight <laughs> um, apartment houses on it uh, that have just sprung up in the last year. Right. Um, it's kind of like the strip out here. I mean, you're seeing these things that are just zooming up and changing yeah, right. the look of yeah. it all. And I never thought I'd get all nostalgic about the kind of funky look of the strip. But, it, you know, that could be gone fairly right. soon. Yeah, yeah, I think it is really challenged right now. Um, yeah. yeah. So um, I, I don't know. I still I would love to be back in the Castro just because mm. it is a village. Yes. And uh, there's pedestrian life. Yeah, yeah. And there's yeah. the movie theater, and there's your druggist, and um, it, it's uh, it offers a lot of things that you get from a village, but it's in a big city. You can still do most of the things in the Castro that we did as a family in 1985 or 1986. We would walk up to the Castro Theater, and me and my mother and father would sit in the front row, and the organist would come up before the movie yeah. and watch and play, and we saw movies like The Wolfman and Rebecca and Ivanhoe, and that experience is still there for anyone to have. Yeah, you know? yeah. So I'm glad to hear you say that about the Castro, because I do, I do believe that. I think it's that. in pretty good shape, it's actually. It's in good shape, yeah. It's just way too expensive but uh yeah. for many people but um i yeah i i think the castro's held on i don't the stuff south of the market all the new stuff mm -hmm. i don't i sound like my grandmother <laughs> used to sound i don't know where i am anymore <laughs> I, right I but i know the recognize feeling anything right? yeah absolutely absolutely so let's get to your book we have so many fascinating things we should talk about but we should also talk about the days of anna madrigal is this really the end yes it is wow just you can't do it anymore or? i just i don't want to i don't want to well, fail I, at it and how perfect to and go out as a bestseller right, right? yeah absolutely yeah maybe maybe it took that i don't know <laughs> I'm leaving and I'm not coming back. <laughs> like Motley Crue signing a contract, technique. swearing that you're right, not going to do it. Right, it's your retirement tour to get the ticket right? sales up, right? My farewell tour. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. I do mean it. I mean, I, I, wanna, I, wanna, I want it to ring true. Yeah. I've got some younger characters in there that I know how to write. Mm -hmm. But if I bring too many more in, I'm afraid that I'd get that wrong because it's always grown out of my own experience. And, and I certainly know how to write about, uh, you know, people in their older people people in their 60s and and even anna was not difficult once Boy. you pass 65 you're basically in geezer land and you and you, <laughs> and you can totally identify with a 92 year old woman sure <laughs> like it's all kind of in the same it evens out it evens out yeah. week said I, I think it's always worth yeah. pointing out to young people yeah. you're going to be old a lot longer than you were ever young and so you, you yeah. might want to work on those it's skills it's not bad either i mean no. it's not bad in the sense physically that stuff is harder but um it's not bad to have that Less tension about everything in yeah. terms of how you're looking and all of that. What you're going to accomplish. Yeah, what you're going to do, what you're going to put next. up with. Yes, absolutely. Um, that's pretty good side of it. That's the mm -hmm. th that's the that's the, the best upside. report I can. That's the upside. Yeah, and medical care is improving. That helps. Yeah, I'm I'm on Medicare now, and hallelujah. There was a <laughs> there was a period. There's a period there where I let my I, I, I'm terrible at managing my own affairs, and I let my medical insurance 
and I, uh, you know, laps, drops. Laps, yeah. yeah. And I joined, I can't remember what the initial is, but it's the show business one and that writers are a part of. If you're, mm-hmm. if you're a member of Penn, you can get it. Oh, mm. oh I But I paid $25,000 a year. Oh, my God. To Whoa. hang on to medical insurance. Wow. Um, because you must, basically. Right. Yeah. Especially if you're older. Yeah, as you get right. on up there, yeah. Um, but... Um, so, where, how did we get on the fact that I'm a geezer? <laughs> uh, well, I was going to ask you, did you know when you started writing this book that this yeah. was the end? Was yes, I did. planned to be the end? Okay. I did. Right. And I knew the two skeins that I was going to thread together. I knew uh-huh. I wanted to write about Burning Man. Oh, okay. Uh, B- Burning Man is where they end up in this novel. Right. I've been there for the last two years. Uh, my husband dragged me kicking and screaming the first year. You'd have to drag me kicking yeah. and screaming, too. Dust. You'd have to drag this one yeah. screaming and screaming. It, it, t- <laughs> it takes place outside. <laughs> yeah. That's no, just out yeah. of the question. But once you get that sarong on... <laughs> <laughs> Well, if it was flattering, you'll be very you'd be surprised how, how easy it becomes. Right. You have to let go because there's dust everywhere. There's oh. terrible dust storms. It's really right. hot. Oh my Were God. you in a trailer? Uh, yes, okay. I was in an, oh, we took an God. RV. An RV, I meant, yes. Um, but as soon as Christopher my husband was saying, "Okay, we're going to need earplugs." I said, "What are we going to need earplugs for?" Because it's an it's a rave that goes on all night long right. in some yeah. areas. Wow. Um but there's it's it's a real adventure. It's uh-huh. wonderful, I and mean, it seems you, like a perfect subject for you. Yeah, and it's so full of coincidence. Huh? It's perfect for a novel because right. um, anybody there? can meet anyone. Right. There are no cell phones, uh, so you just wander out into the playa, and things happen. You see people, and you bump into people you haven't seen for the longest time. Um, and it's pretty cool. This year, um, at Christopher's suggestion, I, I didn't take a bicycle. I took an adult uh, tricycle. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's great. Oh, it was fabulous. You can pedal out into the playa, and if you get exhausted, you can just sit there. Right. You're already in your chair. You're already in your chair. You don't have to maintain your balance or anything. I think that's genius. I might get one just yeah. to go around West Hollywood. I had to, I had, it's entirely different from riding a bicycle, so I had to master it because... Uh-huh. It fell on me the first three times. Oh, that's oh, embarrassing, no. falling off your tricycle. Yeah, that really does. Oh. You want, I hope nobody saw. That's yeah. Wonderful. Oh, no, it's you don't care. Yeah. You really don't care. Um, uh, and just crazy things happen. My friend Andy Greer showed up in some circus shorts or something. <laughs> 43 looks fabulous in them, you know. Right. And told us that Madonna had just brought the rights to his book, you know, oh, in her trailer. Wow. Wow. wow, that's nice. And I thought, wow, you know. Uh, it's just, um, it's sort of nutty what happens to you when you're there. Right. It sounds, it sounds like San Francisco used to be. It is. <laughs> it <laughs> is. Know? It's yeah. where they all went. It yeah. is. And it's where you're, the characters all go to They sort go, of, the, uh, some, for, Anna, Anna Madrigal in this novel is heading to Winnemucca, her childhood Right. Home. To see Mama. Well, or to see her, her There's source. no one to yeah. see. That's what they're trying to figure out. What, who is she going to go see right. after 75 years? Right. What, well, who could possibly be there? Um, and uh, that's that's one mystery. And then the others are heading off uh, further south into into Burning Man. And I get to put in all my grumpiness about the experience into Michael. Um, so there are autobiographical 
elements. Uh, As there always have to yeah, be. I can't, yeah. you, we can never be left out of what we write. No, no. And it would and why be would we want flat to? and yeah, weird yeah. if we left ourselves out. It is that revelation, I think, that makes, I, I think it's what people have connected so much with, with the tales, is how incredibly personal it is, how very sort of revealing it is. Uh, people can connect with those people because they're very real and very honest. And well, don't very... you find if you do that and then somebody says, I love that part where you talked about this, I do that too. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Right. You feel better. Right. Yeah, put, absolutely. Put the most it's embarrassing like, oh, things about yourself Good, in there. I'm not quite, quite as insane as I thought. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes, I was watching a special about... Um, uh, uh, Catcher in the Rye, J.D. Salinger. Salinger yeah. And that was his experience where he wrote this book that he was revealing his insanity and everybody connected to it. Everybody was like, oh yeah, that's totally yeah. how I feel too. And he exactly. was like, really? I'm not crazy after all. This mm -hmm. is how everybody thinks. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is enormously supportive. Well, I, yeah. ha I hate to say that we're running out of <gasps> no. time. We could keep you here all night, but you're a busy man and you're on a book tour. So we're going to hit you with one more question from one of our party people before we let you go. This is Samiko Salson, also a Bay Area resident. Right? She says, Mr. Mopan is a groundbreaker. Does he think things have gotten better since back in the day when Tales of the City prompted a bomb threat in Chattanooga. Lord. I realize we have a long way to go, but are they better? Oh, yeah, they're better. I mean, I, I, the very moment that that bomb threat was happening, there was a uh, an Oklahoma legislator condemning me and Tales of the City on the steps of the legislature. Now we have a federal judge there saying that, uh, you know, that uh, equal... Right, that, that we, marriage equality is, you can't is, the, make, is the thing of the. You can't amend your constitution yeah, to discriminate yeah. against yeah, people. Right. That's not okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and I thought about that when it happened. Yes, of course they're better. Yeah, right. yeah, and, and much, I, much better. And I have to say they're a lot better because of the bravery of people like you. Indeed. Oh, indeed. Okay. Thank, thank you. you. Indeed. Thank you thank for you. standing up and and saying what needed to be said and letting people know that everybody's just people. That nothing's queerer than folk. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And we all believe that. Yeah. You know, yeah. And everyone, my friends have always believed. That and I knew it was a matter of time. Yeah, yeah. really. If we right. put ourselves out there, and once they meet us, they'll know that we're the, not the, so bad. The power of Tales of the City for me was that it showed how well people could love each other in the absence of those traditional pseudo-Christian frameworks that people th believed were essential for taking care yeah. of each other. It was about how they showed up for each other in this deliciously lawless, I'm putting in air quotes, environment. That was what I loved right. so much Thank about you. It. Yeah. Well, that's what, I, what Mrs. Magical refers to as your logical family as opposed to your biological Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. You can have, brilliant. you know, there could be members of your biological family who are also part yes. of your right. logical family. Right. Absolutely. You have but one yes. I can think of immediately. Right. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Totally. <laughs> Not cutting her out. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Uh, uh, Absolutely. But yes, the logical family that evolves from just participating in your own life and yes. leading it honestly and yeah. truthfully. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think you've given so many people the courage to do that absolutely thank you that's uh, really nice to and know. you're you're another check mark on our dinner party show bucket list oh, well i gotta so realize I, i'm staying here and eating the finger sandwich you are welcome to stay as long as you want <laughs> and come back anytime you want <laughs> anytime whenever you're you in want. town let us know uh, and you, you so come by we'll have whatever you want we'll have beef wellington if you want <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> do whatever you've been listening to our interview with armistead mobin this is the dinner party show i'm christopher Rice, and i'm eric shaw quinn and we'll be back in a minute thanks for listening remember your first bike, your first puppy, your first love? Well, none of these things have anything to do with computers, but we'd like you to think that they do. 
would also be helpful to our sales figures if you believe that buying a computer will put you in the same league with the inventors of Skype or Google or PayPal. It seems ridiculous, but you buy refrigerators and cars based on the same kind of meaningless and disingenuous emotional appeal, so why not buy a computer for the same spurious reasons? How they look? What other people will think of you or some lines of poetry that you've never heard before but can pretend mean something to you while you make an ill-informed choice about a highly technical purchase? Why worry about performance or specification when you can buy a computer because you believe it will make your life into something you're not willing to make it into for yourself? The new Hipster 2000 XL. Believe it can change your life we said so. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn, where dessert is the most important meal of the day. Well, I'm still Christopher Rice. And I've been Eric Shaw Quinn for a really long time. And that was Armistead Mopin here on The Dinner Party Show. And I'm show. still glowing. Absolutely. What a charming, charming man. It was like interviewing an old friend. Really, really. It really was. I'd never met him before, and it was could not have been more delightful and congenial. It was just like having an old friend over. You know what my favorite part of the whole interview was? What? His description of that hardcore billboard above the Chateau Marmont. <laughs> oh, my God, that's my daughter. I just love that. Well, his description of... This place at that time, mm -hmm. that whole sort of very fond kind of memories of a place that has been home for a really long time for me. I, I'm going to speak for myself, Miss B. But Absolutely. You've been here a, you a bit. you really fucking old. But um, I have been here 11 years, which kind of makes me feel like a native, given the average length of stay here is two to three before your dreams crumble and your family comes and gets you out of rehab. I've lived here longer than I've lived anywhere else in the world. When I'm away, this is what I think of as home. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, programming notes. Right. Very important. I'm just going to say it like this. March 9th. You're not going to want to miss the oh, dinner party Oh, my God. Show. Don't make plans on March 9th. Save the date. March 9th. March 9th. March 9th. March 9th. March 9th. Next week, the 23rd of February, we will have a You're the Guest show, You're which means guest. you, our party people, are the guests. So if you don't come up with great questions... We're just going to play, you know, um, that same song over and no, over again. No, no, no. What's going to happen is Eric's going to have a <laughs> big fucking opinion about something in the neighborhood like a stoplight or a person or a politician. <laughs> and I'm going to just sort of prattle on about an upsetting sort of vague topic or like a disaster Something that from happened on social media. Or someone who pissed me off on social media. Somebody called me a douchebag today on social media. Wow. Yeah. That's, Congratulations. I know, right? And she was normally nice. Like her profile photo was always a woman from like the 40s. So I never quite knew who she was. But my post said that if your spiritual practice consists of verbally assaulting people with talk of hellfire, you are not spiritual. You are a psychopath. That and, seems like a reasonable assumption. And she said, you are a psychopath and a douchebag. And I don't think those two usually end up in the same category, but in her world they did, so I blocked her because I don't actually want to live in her world and it's my Facebook page. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, yeah, like, is there no delete key on your computer? Anyway. Anyway, anyway. Enough sorry. of unpleasant topics. So yeah, we've got Oscar coverage on the second. That's right. Next week, you're the guest, so post those questions on Facebook. Christopher and I both have books on sale on Amazon. Absolutely. Uh, the Snow Garden for Christopher and the number two <laughs> gay literary fiction book yes. out 20, literary, 20th Quinn. anniversary edition of <laughs> Say Uncle. Anniversary edition. <laughs> and on the 9th, 
very special. 9th of March. Don't miss the dinner party show. It's going to be more, fucking More details epic. coming, but We're it's calling a really it big deal. the fucking epic episode of the dinner party show. And I just demonstrated why my cousin won't play our show with her kids in the room, because I said so many F-bombs. But anyway, I'm Christopher Rice. Fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> and and the, I'm Eric fucking Shaw Quinn. And you've been listening to the fucking dinner party show. Fucking thanks.